Richard likes to call it a holy hubbub. At some point, I think it's just become, it's just, it's just chatting, isn't it? Um, so hello, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Sam. I can confirm it is Sam. Um, and so I'm going to be speaking to you this morning. Um, so I am the children and youth pastor um, here at Gateway. For those of you that don't know me, um, I have the privilege of kind of overseeing the stuff that we do with the kids and the young people. And it is a privilege. Um, and we are going through the, a series in the Apostles' Creed this morning. Okay, so we have done three sessions on that, three preachers on that um, already. And so we are moving through that. So what we're going to do is, as we have done previously, is we are going to stand together and we are going to say the Apostles' Creed together. Okay, so can I invite you all to stand now and we will say this together and hopefully it should go up on the screen. There we go. Okay, so I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please do take a seat. Part of, part of my story is that I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, and I became a Christian in an Anglican church, okay? So I became a Christian in a Church of England church, um, and so part of my discipleship part of what it looked like for me to learn about who God was and, and what he was about and what that meant for me was through reciting the creeds and through doing liturgy. And I still have a, a special place in my heart for these things because of the way that they shape me. So when I heard we were doing a series on the Apostles' Creed, I was very excited um, because this was a huge part of forming me when I was, when I was growing um, as a Christian, when I first became a Christian and learning about who God was. And so we have done three um, sermons, as I mentioned, one on the Father, one on the Son, and one on the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we are looking at the statement in the Creed that says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And I think what you can feel is that this feels a little bit like a crunching gear change. So we've looked at who God is, that God is Father, that God is Jesus, he is the Son, and he is the Holy Spirit. And then after that, we're all of a sudden jumping into the, the church and what that's about. And actually, what it kind of feels like is if you've been in church for a while, you, it kind of feels like the three-point sermon where we've had the three points, and now we're going and moving on to some application. It's kind of what it feels like. But actually, what this is, and the reason why this is where it is in this creed, in this confession, is because this is the natural consequence of who God is. That God is a God who is Father, He is Son, He is Spirit. And as God, He's created people and chosen a people for Himself. So actually, this is the natural follow-through, the natural overflow of who He is. 
that we have looked at who God is. And because God is who he is, because he is Father, because he is Son, because he is Spirit, he has chosen a people for himself. And that is why this is, we're able to talk about the creed this morning. And I think that this part of the creed can be a, a bit of a contentious part of the creed, okay? It can, it can, it can be a bit that causes a bit of friction, because when we talk about the church, we know that not everyone agrees on the way that the church should be run, or how the church should be led, or how it should be structured, or what we should do with our finances, or how the money should be given, and what that looks like. And so actually, it can be quite contentious. But what the creed is talking about, what this statement is about, is it's not interested really in the structure or the form of those things, but rather the nature of the church, what the church is, and and as a result, what the church should be doing. Or who we, so who we are, and because of who we are, what we should be doing. So we actually did a series on the church a while back over, over lockdown called Together. Um, and if this is something that is kind of stirring your heart or you're wanting to kind of learn and grow in, like please go back and look at that series. It was a great series of just kind of considering why do we meet together? Like why do we meet together in a building? Why do we meet together as a church? But this morning, where I would help, like where I'd like us to go to help us unpack this is 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. So if you have your Bible, can I encourage you to get it open? Um, as we've said, the creed is not the Bible, it's not scripture, it's not authoritative, it's not the authoritative word of God, but where it gets its authority from is from the scriptures that it's based on. Okay? So 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And it says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And so we're going to go through this morning, we're going to go through um, each of those kind of words that describes the church, and we're going to use 1 Peter 2 verse 9, so please do keep that open so we can be considering that together as we go through. And I think the first, the first statement, that we believe in a holy church. So that, that statement, I think, for many of us, as we're saying it, it kind of, it can feel a bit jarring, okay, to say that the church is holy. And the reason why it can feel a bit jarring, it can feel a bit like, is it though, is because actually for all of us, if we've been in church long enough, we'll know that church is full of people. And those people are not perfect. And those people make mistakes. And those people can hurt us and upset us. And and things that people do without knowing can hurt us and upset us. And that people can continue to sin and be in church. And so actually the, the idea that church is holy can be really jarring. And actually... It's, that is something that we have to consider. And as well as that, it's, it's kind of we know that the more we're on media, the more we engage with other churches, the more we see things like leaders falling into sin or, or this idea of people deconstructing their faith. And many of us will know if we've been in church for a period of time, if we've, we've known people that have been in the church and we've been around and have been in church worshipping Jesus with us and they've walked away from faith. And so the idea that the church is holy, is set apart, is morally pure, morally perfect, is a bit of a, it's jarring to us. You know, and, and that's, and part of my experience would be that. Like, I, I have, I've been in counselling 
for, and in part of that was part of what some things that had been said and done to me by people in churches. Like, so actually, there is a reality that we face when we come to make and say statements like this, where we've got to consider what this is about and why it is about these things. But the church is holy. And the, the, the primary reason why the church is holy is because Christ has made us holy. That is why the church is holy. The church is holy because Jesus' blood has paid the price for our sins. The church is holy because because we are now righteous because of Jesus' righteousness that he has given to us. The church is holy because we are washed clean from anything that would separate us from God. And the church is holy because we have a high priest that is interceding for us, for our sin, for the things that we do wrong. So the church is indisputably, undeniably holy, but it's not because of anything we've done. And it's not because of anything that we are currently doing. It's because Christ has made us holy. That the church is morally perfect, not because of what we are doing right now, but because of what Christ has done in us. And so for the church to be holy, the church has got to be aware that we are the people that are washed clean. That we are the people that are forgiven of our sins. But in so many, as in in so many other areas of our walk with God, as our relationship with Jesus, there is another meaning to this. And there is a mysterious meaning to this, because the church is holy because of what Christ has done, and the church is holy because of what the Spirit is currently doing in us. So we are holy and becoming holy. And that is a paradox that the Bible will talk about again and again and again, that we are clean and washed and holy and pure and righteous And we are becoming those things as well. That over a long period of time, only through the power of the Spirit, we are becoming more like Jesus. And this is a mystery that we're aware of with loads of our our walk with Jesus. That as we partner with him, as we come to him, as we submit to his words, as we submit to his leading, as we repent of sin, as we love the people around us, as we seek to grow in what he is like, as we seek to serve him with the things that he's given us, as we seek to be witnesses for his gospel, we become more and more like Jesus. So the church is holy because of what Christ has done, and the church is becoming holy because of what he is doing in us. And the truth is that the more we submit to Christ, and the more that we follow him, and the more that we pursue him, and the more that we go after him, and the more that we put things to death in our lives that would not please him and aren't like him, the holier we become. Because there is a partnership in it. So the church is holy. And when Christ looks at his church, he looks at a holy people. But he also has given us his spirit so that we can become holy. We can become more like him. We can become more and more set apart to be a people for his name and for his name's sake. And the second thing that leads on from that, that state of holiness, is the idea that we are a Catholic church. And as as I said, I I grew up saying this creed. I grew up saying lots of other creeds as well, but I grew up saying this creed. And I genuinely refuse to say this word. I'm not joking. So we'd all be there reciting it in church, and I'd go, I believe in the holy church. Because there was, I was like, because in, for me, I was like, I, I don't believe in the Catholic Church. 
Like, I, did, I wasn't, I mean, I, was, <laughs> I became a Christian when I was 14. I didn't have a clue about it. I was just like, I don't, I don't think I believe in the Pope, and I don't think I, I believe in that, and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. Like, I just don't think I believe in that. And so I was like, I don't want to say that I believe in it, because I don't think I do. And so, actually, I think there is that word that's a bit jarring. And I've spoken to a couple of people about what, I'm, what I was preaching on this morning. They were like, how are you going to talk about that? Um, and it's just it's worth being very clear. We're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. Okay, we're not, we're not talking about that. We're not, we're not saying that we are the Roman Catholic Church. What we are saying is that we are Catholic in the sense of what Catholic actually means, which is universal. Catholic just means universal. So we are the people of God from all around the world, from all time, and for all time. So that's what we affirm, that we are a holy, Catholic, universal church that we are part of the people of God that has always been part of what God has been doing and will always be part of what God is doing and is currently part of what God is doing all around the world right now. So that as we gather together, as one of my friends used to say, he used to say that when we gather together on a Sunday, we're part of worship that is happening from the rising of the sun to the setting for 24 hours all around the world. That we are part of that. Okay. So 1 Peter 2 verse 9 would say it like this, that we're a people for his own possession. But perhaps a little bit, uh, a bit of a better way of explaining it is from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 4 to 6 that says this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So we are one church because we have one Lord. And that is as far as the logic of the argument goes. That, that is it. That, that, is the, that is the argument. We are one people because we have one Lord. There is one spirit, one faith, one baptism. That is it. We are one. Okay? We are universal. Now, there's different expressions of the church. And what Barney said in, in the first series, when we talked about things that like, there's stuff that's like written in blood, there's stuff that's like written in ink, and there's stuff that's written in pencil. So what we'd affirm in the, in the creed, in the Apostles' Creed, is like, no, this is, this is where we stand, and we cannot move from these things. That if we move from these things, we, we, seek to, we cease to be Christian. We cease to be the church. And then there's things where it's written in ink, and those are things where we would believe very strongly about these things, that we would, we would nail our colors to the mast on these things, and then we have other things that is written in pencil or, as, as one of my other friends used to say, he said, I wouldn't even get a paper cut over some of these issues. So there's some stuff that I'd die for, but there's some stuff I wouldn't even get a paper cut over. Okay, it's just, it's just, it's, it's something that I might have an opinion on, but that's about the extent of it. Okay. And we're allowed to disagree with other Christians. Okay. We're allowed to debate other Christians. We're allowed to consider different ways of reading the scriptures and yet still remain one and still remain one people, and still have a love for one another. And in heaven, and when Jesus returns, and we're on the new creation together, you're not going to meet a Baptist. And you're not going to meet an Anglican, and you're not going to meet someone who's reformed, and you're not going to meet someone who's progressive, and you're not going to meet someone who's Roman Catholic, and you're not going to meet someone who's new, from New Frontiers or Catalyst. We're just going to be the church. That is it. There will be one, one people. We will not be defined. We're, we aren't defined by the stuff that divides us. We're defined by Christ who unites us all together. Okay? 
And so we are one people, the one universal people of Christ's followers from all space and from all time. So we believe in the holy Catholic and we believe in the church. Okay? And the church is, is this, this word that, the, that is used with, about the church, is this idea to be, to be called out to gather together. Okay, so we are a people who has been called out of darkness into light. We've been a people that have been called out of slavery to sin to freedom in Christ. We've been a people that have been called out of trying to be our own gods and satisfy our own needs to a people that have had got all of that fulfilled in Christ. But more than that, We are called as a people to go. We are called out of the gathering to go and to make disciples. So in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, the way that it explains this is it talks about that we are these things. We are a holy nation. We're a people for his own possession. And then it has this word, that, that you may Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And this has always been God's plan for God's people. God has always set a people apart for himself in order that they may go and be a blessing to the nations. This has always been what God has done. God created Adam and Eve and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it. God created... He had a covenant with Abraham, and he said that you will be a blessing to the nations. From his family, all the nations will be blessed as they go out as his people, defined as being holy, as being united as one people, to go and to make disciples of all the nations. That who we are is defined by where we go. So we are to go because of who we are. This is who we are, therefore we go. That God has done these things in us that we may go and proclaim who he is. So the way that the scriptures say this is in the end of Matthew's gospel. So Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And it says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This commission, this mission to go and make disciples of all the nations, it is not an optional extra to the Christian life. This is who we are. The church is the people who go and make disciples of the nations. This is 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 the definition of what it means to be the people of God. The people of God aren't isolated on a a hilltop or isolated within four walls and keep themselves to themselves and, and hold it. The people of God are the people who go out and make disciples of all the nations, of the people around them. That we do that as a holy people, we do that as a a united people, but that is what we do. That is who we are. And this this, this isn't something that is for those who, who are the leaders amongst us, or who are the confident amongst us, or who are clever enough, or have it together enough, 
or having got all these other things on their time. If you are a believer in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, you are part of the church. That is, you, you are part of the church. To be a Christian is to be part of the church. And to be part of the church is to go and make disciples. There is no category in scripture, there is no category even in church history where that isn't true. To be a Christian is to be part of the church, and to be part of the church is to go and make disciples. And actually, we make those excuses. And actually, within that, there is, there's something to acknowledge that actually I think there's, there's some time and some consideration and some patience and some love that goes with those excuses that we make as why that wouldn't be part of our individual place in the church. Right? There's, there's, there's things to consider. There's, there's lies that have been spoken over us. There's hurts and pains that we need to work through. There's, there's all these sort of things. But if you are here this morning and you are a believer, you are called to go as part of God's church to go and make disciples. That is who we are. That is what we're about. That is what we're going to be about every day until Christ comes back or we go to be with him. It's what it means to be part of the church. And I just feel, as I was preparing this morning, there's just some application points. And um, the first one is, I'm just going to unapologetically and completely unashamedly just say that one of the places where this lands is children and youth work. Just completely unapologetically going to say this. And the reason why I'm going to say this is because we've seen that there's statistics that look at all the people that have become Christians, and 80% of the people that have become Christians have become Christians between the ages of 8 and 14. 80% of people who become believers become believers between the ages of 8 and 14. There is a decision point at that age where people go, I'm in, or people go, I'm out. And actually, there is a, there is a sense where we, all, what we do as a church is we partner with parents. We partner with families in discipling their children. But having said that, there's something that we can do together as a church and building up and raising up a generation of disciples, the next generation of disciples. Faith formation in younger people is something the church has always done. This is one of the ways that we fulfill the Great Commission. And, and I would love to ask you to consider if this is something that is either on your heart or God is stirring you about, if this is something where you've got a gifting with children and young people, then would you consider joining the team and partnering with us and with families in helping raise up the next generation of disciples? Like, as, as, as a team, as a kids' team in particular, we're particularly short on, on, on women and we're particularly short of, of people of colour. And we would love to see our team expand and grow. And so would you just consider that this morning? So that's, that's, that's my first point of application, and I'm not sorry about it. Um, the next thing is about repentance. And I think actually, like I said, I think it's worth acknowledging and considering that there, there are just real hurts. If you're in the church and you're around people, there will be real hurts. There'll be real pain. And there's, nothing that, there's no part of me that wants to dismiss those things. But having said that, I think what we can sometimes do is use that as an excuse to justify a poor view of the church. To not love the church, to not love people, to distance ourselves from others, to not be holy or Catholic. Universal, together, united, and one. And there may be part of us that we are actually, we need, to just, we need to be repentant of that this morning. Okay? We need to just say sorry to God for the way that we viewed the church and others. And we may need to be saying sorry 
and asking for help in knowing how can I take part in making disciples of those people around me? How, 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 can, how, can I, how can I do that? Help me to do that. Maybe you need to reach out to someone and ask, help, help me to do this. Okay, let's do this together. And the final, the final thing is just a plea for unity. You know, one of the things that Satan hates is when the church is focused on being his people, as we've spoken about in the Apostles' Creed. He hates it. So what he does is he gets us divided amongst all these tiny little issues that don't matter into eternity. And what he does is he gets us divided and fighting between one another and disagreeing about all these issues that have got no real purpose right here and right now. Because if we're focused on fighting one another or being right about certain things, then we're not fulfilling the Great Commission and we're definitely not being united and we become more and more impotent. There's less power to what we do when we're divided. But if we're united as a people, if we're journeying together to make disciples, then there is power in what we do and there is purpose in what we do. So it's just a plea to just let's be a people who are united, who are one. That when we have issues with people, that we would go towards them, ask for forgiveness or talk about what is going on. To be a people that, that don't, we're not, we're not saying, oh, we're better than the other churches in Ashford. Or we've got these, like, but actually partnering together with all of God's people to make disciples of the nations. Just a plea this morning. And so there's just a way that I, I just want us to respond to this. Um, and the way that I want to respond is, I'd, I'd love it if we could all stand. And... If you, if you are comfortable and you know the person next to you and you have their permission, maybe you want to put a hand on their, hand on their shoulder or hold out their hand, hold their hand or something like that. If you don't know people or people aren't comfortable, please don't do it. It's awkward. Okay? Okay. And what we are going to do is we are going to say again together just this line of the Apostle Creed, okay, that I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. We're going to say that together. Okay, and as we're saying that together, what I would love for us to do is that this is a response, that we are affirming that this is what we believe, that this is what we're committed to, and that we're committed to this from this point on into the future. Okay, and then I'll pray. So let's say this together. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. And Lord, I thank you that we are your people. Lord, we are your people that you have saved. Lord, that you have united to yourself, that you have set free from sin. Lord, that you have filled with your spirit and that we are your people that you are equipping to send out to make disciples of the nations. Lord, we pray, keep us united. Keep us in a love for one another. Keep us in a love for you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would add to our number daily, Lord, those whom you are saving as we be your people. Holy United.